0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So,
1: Happy New Year, everyone. We are back um, in our new fortnightly schedule. So, I think as we mentioned in our last episode, we're going to be um, starting to go to uh, publishing roughly every two two weeks from now on, um, largely just coming from a place of... I think the show is mature enough at this point that a lot of the the topics that we've sort of wanted to talk about we've talked about, and I think we were getting a little thin on topics, and we'd rather have fewer episodes that had you know richer content than to kind of be just having an episode every week just to have an episode every week. So that's kind of the motivation behind it, in case you were wondering um and we're going to start off this year kind of in some ways wrapping up a topic that we've we talked about last la- from on the last episode where um if you rec- if you recall or if you don't after all the the Christmas and New Year celebrations we i I was was largely talking about dealing with bugs and challenges and um, kind of un- sort of ways and means by-, by which to work that out. And I had an interesting update. Usually we don't do follow-up on the show, but I had a little interesting update um, on the bug that I talked about last week. And then we're going to dive into some more uh, different kinds of bugs and issues that we may have run into <laughs> mm-hmm. um, over Christmas. So it turned out I, f- I was eventually able to find the bug that was driving me crazy in the episode where I was talking about um, how I w- how to re- reproduce unreproducible bugs. And everything I had tried, there was an issue in Pedometer++ where all of a sudden the step counts would go crazy. And suddenly, rather than having like 10 or 20 or 30,000 steps like people normally have, it'd be like this person has 16 million steps. And the number would just keep growing. Like every time they opened the app, the number would double. Um, And the doubling, the fact that it was pretty much actually doubling, was certainly a clue that there was some, like somehow this data was getting compounded on itself. But I could not reproduce this. I tried all manners of, of things. I tried... Um, you know, like inventing bugs, trying introducing delays, like over, you know, having having the the saving logic run thousands of times. Nothing I could do to get it to work. Then, over the right before Christmas, I finally had um, the final clue that I needed to track it down. And the clue came in the form of a screenshot that somebody had sent me, where they were, were having this bug, and in, they sent me a screenshot like of their phone and of their watch to say like you know, like showing me that the numbers were crazy in both places. And what is interesting is that I noticed that the Apple Watch had a slight visual difference to the uh, phone that shouldn't have been there. So in a previous version of the the app, the app had been updated to slightly change the font um, on the Apple Watch. And so it changed the shape of the comma. And I noticed that the comma was still the wrong shape, which meant that the Apple Watch was running the an old version of the app, but it was talking merrily for days on end with the new version of the app, and that ended up being the root of the problem, <laughs> and ended up being why it was impossible for me to recreate. Because for some, like that's not a situation that like I can just like go into Xcode and be like simulate um, the Watch Companion app failing to ever update the Apple Watch app, like. That's not a mode that exists. Um, this isn't something that I think should ever happen. And in regular use, it um, doesn't ever happen. But that's what was happening to me. And so I was hitting this weird situation where the way that when I changed the way the step counting worked, suddenly the two versions of the app, the old and the new, would talk to each other. And they would b- disagree about what the step counts should be. And because I have all this logic in the app for... Uh, making sure that I never decrease step counts. If, you know, if one device says the count was higher, I always let that, that device win because I never want to show someone that, hey, you, you know, you hit your goal. And then on the other device, I say you didn't. So I always kind of, you know, I, I favor the highest step count. And because of those two things, it combined to create this situation where things just kept doubling out of control. Um, and it turned out that was why. And I coincidentally actually had fixed this. Because I had introduced, I had versioned I had one of the fixes in my like. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to try anything I can think of. One of the things I did was I introduced versioning to my watch uh, communication to scheme, so that it would only like versions of the app would only talk to themselves. Um, because I'd had I'd never seen it, but I was like in my guessing of what could possibly be the case. I had said, well, maybe old like old messages from an old version of the app could be like pending. You install the update, and then they get stuck in some kind of loop. So like, I never expected that the two versions of the app could happily co- you know, co- co- coexist for you know, days or weeks on end, but I thought maybe they would exist in a transient state and that could kick it off. So I added versioning. Turns out that it did actually fix it, and so everything was fine. And that's the I guess the moral of the story is don't trust watch connectivity, which I probably knew um, to start with.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good good life lesson in general. No, I that's that's wild. I never would have even considered the possibility of a different version of of between my, my watch app and my ios app talking to each other like i just and it makes sense like you can think of scenarios where that might happen uh like you know where the where the phone app gets updated but the, but it hasn't communicated with the watch app yet and then they get back in range or whatever and the watch app starts sending messages before the phone app has has had a chance to upgrade it or something like you know i don't i don't know the, the full details of how that system works but like it's the kind of thing i would just never have thought of yeah wow so I I I pass this on as a cautionary tale if you're doing
1: anything with watch connectivity add versioning to your uh, watch connectivity messages to make sure that you don't get bit by this um, as well. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to do that today.
0: Like I'm going <laughs> to go add, go you know add my build number, you know, to the <laughs> to the to the uh, message dictionary I pass back and forth. Yeah.
1: It's like I think that is just a good like best practice going forward. Um but I hear I was not the only one who had a fun and exciting Christmas time uh with bugs and Challenges. I hear you had some interesting challenges too.
0: You know, sometimes (laughs) running servers, you can go for months or years without having any problems at all. And then you have a problem at just the worst time. And it, and it makes you think, man, I should never run servers again. <laughs> like, yes. I should get out of this business. But, you know, the reality is it's, you know, if you set things up well and, and and you don't have any weird things happen to you, it's generally pretty fine. Like, it's not a lot of work, as we've talked about before. Like, you know, we've talked about how relatively easy and low effort it is to run servers these days. But occasionally, something goes very wrong. And, and that's what happened to me over Christmas. <laughs> so... A lot. So here, you know, some little bit of backstory. A lot of Overcast customers had been reporting crashes recently, and I, I talked about this in, in the last couple episodes. And so I've been really aggressively working on a series of updates and beta tests to try to find and fix as many crashes as possible. And so one of the more obscure crashes that kept coming up, and I couldn't figure out why, um, it, it was happening in some very complex uh, Grand Central Dispatch code. It was it was using dispatch timers to coalesce and throttle the rate at which the app makes sync requests to the server. The point of this was to make syncs happen reasonably quickly after data changed, but to not make too many requests in a short time and to also dynamically throttle back the frequency if you had a low battery level or a low, bat- low power mode was awesome um, or whether you were on cellular. So the, the whole idea was like be smart about how often you sync. Make things sync quickly when they're happening most of the time, but then throttle it back so it doesn't go too heavy and and doesn't, like, hammer the server or use up too much battery or whatever else. And so that code, it was using this complex dispatch timer thing that I had based on something forever ago in a Mike Ash blog post. So, you know, pretty advanced code that I didn't really fully understand, if I'm honest. That's all the code I've ever read that Mike Ash wrote. Yeah, it's very advanced. (laughs) It's a great, great resource. Very advanced. Uh, A little little over my head at at times. But anyway... um, so there was a crash happening with some of the dispatch calls in that code, and I couldn't figure out why, what what conditions would lead to that crash. Um, so as part as one of these builds right before Christmas, I rewrote that code to just be simpler, to just use like NS timers, and to, just, to try to avoid whatever condition was causing crashes there. Because the crashes there were happening, like with every build, I would get reports of that it would be one of my top crashes. So I figured, I'll find a way to fix this. I'll, I'll just rewrite that code to be simpler, so I can understand what's going on, and to not be so sophisticated. And right before the App Store Connect holiday shut down for Christmas week, uh, that code shipped as version 505 with a bunch of other fixes. So I went away for Christmas to visit family for the week. They live somewhere with no cell coverage from any carrier, not Verizon. Uh, There's no cell coverage. And they have the best internet connection they can buy up there, which is a 6 megabit DSL. And that's only 6 megabits down, of course. It's 768K up and this cost them $80 a month and this was being shared that week because it was a house full of family uh, between seven people and about 15 devices (laughs) so splitting that up is is not easy now to make a slow internet connection usable to a lot of people the router can't let any one device monopolize the connection especially the upstream if the upstream is saturated on your internet connection All those TCP ACK packets from your downloads can't get back out, so it basically kills downloads as well as uploads, and it makes the connection basically feel offline. Like If the upstream is saturated, you will basically lose connectivity. And when you have seven people taking 12 megapixel photos and 4K videos on their iOS devices, and iOS devices automatically upload those to iCloud whenever they feel like it or whenever they are plugged in, that... 768k of upstream bandwidth gets used very quickly so what routers do to manage this is they perform qos stands for quality of service this limits how much of the downstream and upstream bandwidth any one device can monopolize and when you have less bandwidth you need qos on the router is basically a godsend it makes the difference between the connection being usable for everyone and one person's icloud upload making it go offline for everyone else So a few years ago, I upgraded them to a Nerdy Ubiquity router, the same kind I use here at home. It has pretty good QoS. It made a huge difference. um, And, you know, it would actually remain usable most of the time, even when you had iCloud uploads going. Now, this year, I encountered a number of Christmas miracles. This is where Christmas miracle number one came in. So miracle number one. So I I had this year to solve some range issues with their previous setup. I upgraded them to an Eero setup with, you know, the three wireless things. And I thought the Ubiquiti QoS was good until I tried Eero's. And it's way, way better when you have a bunch of people sharing a slow connection. It's just, and it's always on. You don't have to set it up. It's typically Eero style. I don't even think you can configure it. Like it's just on. Um, But it's, it was a huge upgrade for QoS. And it made the connection way more responsive like my terminal windows were less laggy like everything was way more responsive even with all these people using the using the connection so that was christmas miracle, miracle number 1 and then i soon started needing a lot more miracles but first we're sponsored this week by linode which spoiler ended up being one of my Christmas miracles. So, Linode gives you an access to a suite of powerful hosting options. Prices start at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute, even on that slow connection if you're on your parents DSL, you can still get it going in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, including David and me. We are all serviced by their friendly 24/7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help you want. And they have amazing documentation that's open to the public. You don't have to be a member. You can see all the documentation to give you a reference when you need it. And let me tell you their support saved my behind. And I'll tell you why in a few minutes, but Linode is just fantastic. They have great service, great support, a great control panel. It's wonderful. And all this is backed by fantastic pricing options. Their plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month. And they offer lots of plans above that for whatever your needs may be, including high memory plans. Listeners of this show can sign up at linode.com slash radar. You will be supporting us and get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig plan, that could be four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. And thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and Relay FM. So the day after Christmas, I started getting reports of very slow syncs, sync sink errors, and searching not working. And this is really a problem. Like searching is especially, that's a huge problem because if you can't search, you can't add podcasts. And that's a big problem for a podcast player getting lots of new installs for Christmas. Yeah. So uh, all of this suggested to me that I was having some kind of problem with my servers. Now, when you're on a really slow internet connection, <laughs> it's really hard to verify if your servers are slow because you can't really feel it on your own device. Like from, your, from where you're coming from, it's always slow, everything's slow. And so sure enough, I tried with my phone and it was slow. But since I had installed that Eero system and it, had, it improved the, the responsiveness so much, I could actually tell that other things did seem much faster. And even my, you know, my terminal connections were faster. Everything was faster. So clearly something was up with my servers. Christmas miracle number two was a service that has been a past sponsor that I've also used forever called Pingdom. So Pingdom can notify you when stuff goes down, but it also maintains performance logs from all these, it does status checks from around the world, and it'll tell you basically like the latency, how long it took to do each request. And it keeps a log of this, and it shows you graphs. So I was able to log into Pingdom to get a more objective view of what is performance for my site from around the world, not just from my slow DSL connection I'm using right now. And so sure enough, the response times most of the time were very constant, around 400 milliseconds. And then at the time that everything was feeling slow, it had gone, gone from 400 milliseconds to about seven seconds. That's quite a lot worse. Yes, quite a lot worse. And, uh, and that's, that's fairly fatal for pretty much any practical use. Uh, and and, it, and it, I noticed that it, had, it had seemed to correspond to the U.S. workday hours. Like it spiked up at like, you know, 8, eight to 9 a.m. or whatever it was. And this was invaluable to get this info from Bingdom because it was, I was able to actually see like what is the actual state, not just what, what, how does it work for, for me, and to show me a history of what was normal before. And so this verified, this is not normal. <laughs> and in fact, I was also able to see like it wasn't because of the US Workday because I, you know, that history also showed me that like, latency was pretty much the same all the time. It didn't vary with you know, the day cycle or the weekday or weekend cycle or anything like that. It was pretty constant. Now, it was, I was a little nervous because overcast peak usage does line up with the US Workday. And so I was like, oh no, right before Christmas, I changed the sync timing algorithm. <laughs> so I thought, oh no, this was the, it, it was the day after Christmas. This was the first full-blown US Workday for a lot of people since the update had spread to a lot of devices. So I thought, oh no, I messed up sync timing and I'm like DDoSing myself from every copy of my app out there. And I'm like, oh God, so Not good. No. So the first thing I did, I very quickly rewrote the sync throttler and I, I wrote it even simpler this time, even easier to understand a little cleaner code, like separated out into its own class and everything. And I, and I had two main goals to be less fancy so that I can, you know, more understand the conditions that can happen and to have remotely configurable parameters that I could adjust with server side code. So the server mm. would tell the app how often to sync with different conditions. So I got that done very quickly. I sent it to beta testers immediately because I knew I'd have to submit it like basically that day uh, because it was so urgent. Now, by the way, uploading builds to App Store Connect with a 768k upstream is painful and kind of hilarious. Like (laughs) it took because it doesn't just send the app code. Like, you know, the app is, you know, whatever it is, like 20, 30 megs. But it also sends like, you know, debugging symbols and bit code and like and all the different assets for all the different size classes and everything, everything. So each upload to upload a build took about an hour. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so I upload one. I was also to submit it. And then one of the beta testers reported that I broke the sleep timer. So I <laughs> had to fix that, upload another build over another hour. <laughs> but eventually I got one submitted and I filed the expedited review request.
1: And this is so that had the uh, Christmas shutdown just ended.
0: It was about to end. It, it was like the last day or two of it. Okay. So I, I basically, I wanted to get the app approved like the morning that it ended. Yeah. And, and so I filed the app review, but I'm like, you know, there's probably a lot of people filing these right now for this, you know, problems that happened this week. So, and I was like one of the, I was like getting in just under the wire before it even ended. So I'm like, I'm last in line. I'm filing a request that lots of people have filed. This is probably not going to go well. And meanwhile, my service was nearly unusable during these peak hours. So I'm like, I have to also address this on the server side. So the weird thing was that there was no indication that my servers were under heavy load. Like, all the metrics seemed normal. But the web servers were under a higher load than databases. So I first started out, like, let me look at the web server performance. It doesn't seem like they're being bottlenecked by the databases. Let me, let's me let see, you know, what's going on with web servers. And also, that would, that would explain why, like, search requests were also a problem, because search hardly touches the databases. So I targeted web servers first. So Christmas miracle number three was Linode. Because Linode, you know... It, some problems you just need to throw resources at and just see if that fixes it. And with Linode, like, you know, it's virtual servers. You can resize them up and down with different, you know, hardware amounts. You can resize them up and down at will. And it, it only takes a few minutes. So I thought attempt number one, if my web servers might have performance problems, just double all their resources and see what happens. <laughs> sure. So I did, I did a rolling upgrade across them over about an hour, doubled all the capacities. Um, and I knew, you know, it, no big deal. Like, you know, they also do hourly billing. So it's like, if I need to roll it back, I'm only out the, cost difference of like the two hours i had the bigger sizes yeah um and actually and it didn't actually end up solving the problem at all like i i doubled everything on the web servers the server upgrades didn't improve any of the they didn't fix this problem so i thought oh crap and they still weren't under heavy loads you know so like obviously um, so like if if the servers are not under load but everything's slow there's some kind of bottleneck somewhere else something is being a bottleneck so i started looking deeper and at first i thought you know let me me look at my code see like what requests are taking the longest in code what functions are taking the longest what database queries maybe something php for all i like about it is not an easy language to profile sure very few tools are available to do it and they're very rudimentary um i have my own like time logging thing built into to, to time certain database queries So i tried using that but it wasn't it wasn't revealing anything obvious um and so I did some searches, and, uh, and a mini Christmas miracle, Stack Overflow, which is always a miracle every day, uh, yeah. led me to the two most recommended solutions, which were uh, the new Relic service, uh, which is a commercial service uh, that you, it's all their thing and it monitors, and a PHP plugin that's been around forever called xDebug. Uh, New Relic has major advantages in theory. Like they will aggregate things over multiple requests, and they have all sorts of metrics they collect and everything. They have context with historical data and everything. But I could not, for the life of me, figure out how much it would cost me. Like <sighs> their pricing, their pricing for using it on servers is very confusing, and their website was totally broken. Like I couldn't actually like the calculators kept breaking. And then I at one point I'm like, fine, I'll throw money at it. I'll I just I'm desperate. I, I need to fix this now, so I'll pay whatever you want me to pay. And so I, I tried signing up, and their sign-up form was broken. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's not going to be an option. So yeah. <laughs> so I set up Xdebug on one of my servers. It's very, very basic. It's a PHP extension. You enable it, you restart the server, so you let it run for a while, and it dumps logs to slash temp. And it just it, it, it writes, like, one log file per request, and you can just go in and profile that request and see what happens. So it's there's no, like, aggregation as far as I could see. It's like, what requests are taking up all the time in total, you know? Yeah. But... Uh, so it's just this very, you know, kind of brute force, oh, you know, it took forever. But uh, Christmas miracle number four was a front end called Webgrind. It's a simple open source package that lets you view and, and navigate the Xdebug files in a web browser instead of using some kind of weirder Linux tools. So Webgrind was awesome. And it actually did let me find some slow functions, some bottlenecks. So I took the next few hours and, or most of that day and just made tons of stuff faster. I you know, ridiculous amounts of things faster. Like like one one example is, I have a handful of string utilities uh, that you know so, some of PHP's function naming and calling conventions are kind of unintuitive. Like to see if a string contains a substring, you have to do you have to call strpos, and you can never remember what order the parameters go in, and then you have to test it you know against does it not equal equal false, yeah, and it's so it's like. I, that's that's weird for me and so i have a function in my standard utilities library that i that i put in on projects called contains that sure. you just <laughs> contains a b and all it does is call stir pause does not equal equal false but it makes the code more readable turns out i learned from profiling that calling like when you call your own php user space function that then calls a system function, it's way slower than just calling a system function directly. It's not a little bit slower like it would be in C. It's a lot slower because it's calling like one more like PHP space function first. And calling the built-in functions, which are all implemented in C, are way, way, way faster, even just like the, the call differences. So I found a few hotspots that used a few of my little utilities like this, and I converted them back to the ugly PHP code. And that actually made a pretty big difference in, in certain types of things. Um, fixed some memcache misses that should have been hits and everything. But eventually I got to the point where my profiling was basically showing like nothing in particular is taking a lot of time. And so it's like, okay, that's kind of a problem. Then finally, I thought to check one more place, the load balancer. I use, it's, it's Linode's managed load balancer called the node balancer, which it's basically equivalent to running like you know, NGINX or HAProxy on, on a dedicated machine, but they just take care of all the configuration for you. You do it all on the front end and they take care of SSL decoding and everything. So it's really nice actually. That's that's why I use it instead of just doing HAProxy or something. Um, And two things jumped out at me when I looked at the, the load balancer. So it performs health checks on every backend web server. And I configure those health checks to fail if the web server can't be reached or it can't reach the database or it's above a certain load average. And NodeBalancer was not showing failed health checks anytime recently, which suggested that the web servers hadn't really been slammed at all since the problem began. Like they hadn't had their high load average to trip that health failure. So the connection rate graph was the other interesting thing. Normally it was about three or 400 per second, and it was currently spiked and plateauing at around 10,000. I remember reading a while back that node balancers have a limit of 10,000 concurrent connections. So somehow the load balancer was getting 25 times its usual traffic, uh, but only during the U.S. workday. Oh, gosh. And it's like, this is, this is weird. Because like, at, at about 8 p.m., it fell back down to its usual level. So even without the app update being in people's hands, it was, you know, in the evening, it was back down to exactly what it was before. Not higher than it was before, exactly what it was before. And then the following morning... 8 a.m. rolls around and it goes back up to 10,000 again yay and again everything was the same web servers didn't appear to be loaded Mm -hmm. something was like so anyway christmas miracle number three linode came to my rescue again i I filed a support ticket and i'm like hey can you look at this like i don't know what to do here something weird is going on the load balancer but it doesn't seem to be getting to the back ends and they gave me a full response in less than an hour and it was a detailed... It wasn't just like a form, oh, we'll get to this soon or try this. No, it was like they looked at the packets that were going in. They they suggested a few things. They said it was getting 50,000 packets per second, but that it didn't appear to be like an obvious DDoS, Like, but they said they couldn't rule it out. Um, so the tech suggested putting Cloudflare in front of Overcast, which is uh, it's like a reverse proxy acceleration service, um, having it send traffic to a new node balancer that whose ip would never be in a public dns entry so like people couldn't bypass cloudflare and just go to the node balancer directly and then Mm -hmm. shutting down the old one so it would basically force all traffic to go through cloudflare and i was a little nervous honestly about this option because like putting a caching proxy service that i had never used in front of my entire api from an app that does ssl certificate pinning and doing this in a hurry while on vacation with limited testing abilities on slow DSL, like, this was very concerning to me. But Wait, what, I was. What could
1: possibly go <laughs> wrong?
0: <laughs> but I was also desperate. Like, I, I, ever, I couldn't figure this out. So Cloudflare came through as Christmas Miracle number five. It was. I can't say enough good things about how easy it was to set up. Like it was incredibly easy to set up. They really have done a very good job there. And I did their plan. They have a plan that lets you upload your own certificate for SSL. So I I did that to avoid pinning problems with the app. Um, and as soon as I did this, the problem was gone. It was so as the DNS changed, so I, you know you change your DNS to point to Cloudflare instead of you. And as that change propagated within like a couple hours, the pattern was very clear that like the traffic going to the old load balancer was still the giant flood of packets for for the next few hours. And the traffic that was coming through Cloudflare and that was getting to my second new load balancer was totally normal. Like, whatever this was, it was it was not getting through Cloudflare. And so it went from, you know, crazy, horrible, unusable to over the next few hours, the problem was gone. And then the next morning, the final Christmas miracle came through, App review, (laughs) my fixed version was approved and uh, it spread through most of the user base over, you know, a couple of days. And so the problem is gone now. And here's the funny, like, I don't actually know what the problem was. I don't know whether it was my fault, whether it was the app review, like was my sync throttling like going horribly wrong? Was it going crazy and hammering my servers with requests? Was I getting some kind of targeted DDoS attack from some kind of malicious actor? Was the node balancer failing in some weird way? I don't know. I, I don't know what was going on. I will probably never know because I just did everything at once. Like sure. I didn't have time to scientifically test one factor at a time, you know, isolate everything else, control everything else, just test this one thing, you know, to figure out what the exact problem is. Like this kind of happens sometimes. Like you, you're operating from a place of compromise. Like you, you have limited capacity. Like I was on vacation in this weird place. I was urgent timing wise. So I just threw everything I could at the problem and it went away. <laughs> so like sometimes I guess you got to do that. And oh, that's, I'm just very glad for the help of my Christmas miracles, and uh, especially Linode and Cloudflare. They were they were incredible during this. But uh, that's what happened, and I I've, I it kind of inspired me to do a little bit more server work now. Like like I've been sp- spending the last couple of days doing um, doing a little more stuff. Like basically uh, this actually might might be next week's e- or two weeks from now episode because I'm it's too late to fit it in here. But just doing a whole lot of server updates because like one of the issues I faced during this big problem was one of the things I couldn't try easily was add more servers. I could resize the ones I had, but I couldn't easily add more because like i be, I've been relying on some old versions of some of the packages and the distros that just like aren't supported anymore and make it hard to start up new servers. And cloning mm. is not something I like doing very much. So I, I, I couldn't do that. So I'm fixing all that now. But anyway, that was, that was my Christmas story.
1: That is a, that is a rough story.
0: I'm yeah. glad it had a happy ending though. Yeah, it's, it was finally fixed and I was able to enjoy the rest of the vacation after that, but I I'm kind of, really am kind of curious what the heck it was, but the fact is, like, the problem is gone, I'll never know, and sometimes that happens. Yeah. <laughs> mean, that, was, okay that was with me it. with my bug too, where like, exactly. I just
1: knew it was fixed. I didn't know what, I, what which thing I had done, fixed it, but I didn't really care at a certain point, because it's like,
0: it's fixed. <laughs> exactly. Alright, thanks for listening everybody, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. All right, bye.